you're listening to Tampa Bay Politics Podcast. My name is Angela Birdsong. I'm your host. Now, I do have a day job. They call me the Medicare lady. But every Wednesday morning, I take the time to interview movers, shakers, politicians in the Tampa Bay area that can affect your life. You can find us anytime on the internet, though, at tampabaypoliticspodcast.com. Mr. Jason Smith has decided to join us, and he is the um, political director for IBEW. That's a local union here, number 824. And he's with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. He has so much to share with us. Thank you, Jason, for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you know what? We always start in the beginning. I grew up in uh, Pasco County, uh, Newport Ritchie Holiday area. Um, so my grandparents moved down here. Um, it's a little bit of a Jerry Springer story, but um, I, I think my father, my grandfather was uh, running away from uh, from tickets. <laughs> from the <laughs> what kind of tickets? <laughs> I, the, the, I didn't get the full story, but um, what I'm led to believe is that uh, he had a drinking issue. Oh, uh, yeah, he was former military. Actually, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression of him. He was a great man. Okay. He, he was a chief master sergeant in the United States Air Force. So, um, but uh, you know. PTSD back then wasn't something that was dealt with the way that it is today. Okay. And so, uh, you know, just like a lot of folks who came home from wars and were lifers in the wars, um, he had his own demons to wrestle with. I see. And so, uh, yeah, he was a brilliant person, though, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, he could do math in his head that, you know, we, well, he was a pilot, so they had to calculate, you know, altitudes oh, and stuff I like see. that. Yes. Uh, and back then they used charts. They didn't have all this digital technology. So, um yeah, I, I don't want to denigrate my, my grandfather, but um, yeah, at the end of life, uh, he moved to Veterans Village in Pasco County, um, and uh, he was on dialysis the last two or three years of his life, and um, you know he suffered from liver damage. Oh, I see. Yeah, so uh, yeah, and uh, my uh, my mom raised my brother and I uh, by herself uh, when she was well. She was uh, bipolar, depressive, um, and schizophrenic, and so. Uh, my brother and I uh, was pretty much raised by my grandma. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, grandma was uh, the, the rock. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My grandmother was a rock, too. Yeah. Um, now, did you end up going to college? I did. Um, and in the beginning, it was just to make up for my resume where I had uh, quit school. <laughs> I, I quit in the 11th grade, uh, which, you know, I don't have too many regrets in life, but I, I wish I could go back and, and just finish off that one last year. Um, I, I was not uh, the nicest student, let's put it that way. You know, I, I had my own issues, uh, but I was a good student. I, I was an A and B, you know, and even when I was having my problems, I was still getting by with C's, not even trying. So, but when I met my wife and I, I started to get, you know, on track and, you know, I was 19 years old. But why did you drop out? Um my grandmother who had like a, a sixth grade education uh, recognized that I was getting in trouble a lot at school. And she just told me one day, you know, you can go get a GED, right. And go to work because I was working and going to school. I see. And I was doing a job laying tile that gave me an opportunity, you know, to uh, go make some real money. And, uh, 
So I left school so I could go to work. I see. And I was making really good money at the time. I was making more than my teachers were making. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, being an apprentice, laying tile uh, for old man Don Ahern. <laughs> God rest his soul. If, <laughs> but um, but this was someone who had their own business that you were working for? He was an entrepreneur, his own business. He was from New York. Um, he came down here. He was scrappy. And uh, he needed somebody with a good license. Another license story. He couldn't drive. So he needed oh, my license. I, I had to go to Tampa every day to pick up the tile orders, load them, and uh, I would do most of the grunt work. Um, I would do the, the mortar mixing and the, the tile transportation and, and uh, all the, the labor, and he would do the measurements, and, and I would assist now, with laying what year would you say that was? Oh, boy. So I'm, I'm 47 this year in September. Uh, that would have been when I was uh, 18 years old, so whatever the math is on that. Maybe in the um, 80s or 90s? Well, let me think of it this way. My, my first born was born in 96, and it was probably two, three years prior to that. So we're talking 93, 94. Okay. Yeah. So um, I came down from New York in, the, in 1990. Okay. So that was there, there was a lot of people coming down, yep. buying houses. So yep. that was a very good time. Yeah. To uh, to be in anything to do with remodeling homes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you all were very busy. We were very busy. And uh, he ran a little shop out of a flea market off of US-19 and Holiday. I see. And uh, he would sell on the weekends, and he was a great salesman. He had this big, bright smile, charismatic man. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he could talk a, a, an Eskimo into buying ice, you know. He, he was this, that type of personality. And... Uh, you know, unfortunately, he had his demons, too, uh, that, that he fought with. And, and uh, ultimately, his business went under. And so I was forced to go do other work. But, um, yeah, it, it was a good experience. And pretty much from the age of 14, though, I've been employed. Uh, my, my first job was doing work program, half day at school, half day washing dishes at the Smorgasbord, uh, which is also right off a of 19. Uh, it's not there anymore. They knocked it down. But um, I've been working since age 14. And, uh, yeah, that that was probably one of the most physically trying jobs I've ever had. The laying tiles is tough. Okay. Yeah, that's rough on you. But, um, but that's why I quit school, going back to your earlier question. Yes. That, and, and so as I got married and, and started to have kids and I started to take on, you know, realizing I needed to take on more responsibility and I needed to provide a home for my family. Uh, you know, GD on the resume didn't look good. So I took advantage of, uh, assistance that was provided by later employers and, um, you know, it, Actually, so you went back and got a bachelor of science. Uh, oh, okay. So I went back. I got an associate's degree at Tampa Tech, um, and in business management, and then I went uh, and got a business degree in uh, business management, uh, a bachelor's, and then National Lewis University. I have a master's in uh, public administration. Okay. So yeah, I've I've been pretty much going to school. You know, other people were partying probably in their twenties. I was doing night school after work. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So um, what did that lead you to do once you were fully educated? Well, you know, you would, I, I thought early on that I was going to be a manager or, you know, I had that I had no concept of unions or organized labor. Um, you know, it hadn't been introduced to me. It wasn't something that my my family had been involved in. And so, you know, um, it wasn't until I was in my 30s. Um, that I even became aware uh, of the option. Um, and so 
you know, I worked for an employer. One of my early uh, jobs was a call center with Capital One. I see. And I worked for them for like seven years. And um, the county had been giving them tax credits uh, per person, like uh, depending on how many employees they had. So they had almost like 2,000 employees over off of Henderson in Tampa. Uh, Beautiful call center. It was state-of-the-art at the time, all kinds of amenities. And uh, it was a great place to work, you know, until the tax credits ran out. And when the tax credits ran out, they decided to, you know, give all 2,000 of us plus uh, pink slips and send our jobs to India. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that that was one of my first, like, slaps in the face by corporate America that really made me realize, okay, this is a game that is going to be played for the rest of my life where I'm going to have to watch out for this sort of stuff. Um, it made me hyper aware of how easy it is to outsource jobs. Yes. And I became super sensitive to that. Uh, and so I, I came to realize fairly quickly that, um, I needed to be in a job that couldn't be outsourced, you know, and hands-on labor is one of those things. You know, there's a saying in my, I, I work for frontier communications as a cable splicer. And there's a kind of a saying that the closer you are to the wires, the, the more job security you have. And, 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 you know, that's true of plumbing. That's true of electrical, whatever trade union you might be involved in. Uh, that just holds true all day long. So. So um, how did you end up at Frontier? So silver lining, I guess, of getting uh, laid off. Um, it, there was a job fair and um, it was a big production. Uh, they were trying to be kind to us in the end and give us other opportunities. And so they had this giant hall filled with vendors and they had these really elaborate kiosk with beautiful people, you know, sitting there, you know, handing out all kinds of, uh, goodies and stuff. If you just come look at, you know, their job opportunities. And then there was this one little, very simple table with a, a kind old grandma looking <laughs> older woman sitting there with just a plain black and white paper on it and, no frills, no thrills. And I, the first time I went and did my rounds, I actually missed it. I see. And, and it was uh, Verizon at the time is who she represented. And so I, we, I was caucusing with friends at work after, you know, we had finished our rounds. And they were like, did you talk to that lady from Verizon? And I was like, no, I don't have that paperwork. We were going through, we were comparing notes. And uh, they're like, you need to go back and get that. Right. And, 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 and find that table because huh? medical, uh, fully paid for, uh, incredible benefits and wages and job security. And it was, you know, I didn't know it in that very moment that it was a union job. I see. But when I went okay. up to the table and I asked the HR woman, I was like, how can you provide these benefits? Like none of these other places are even close to what you provide. Like what is, what's the story? Like I actually said something to that effect to her at that moment because I was genuinely shocked at the differences in what other companies were offering at that same job fair and what she was offering. And um, in the moment, she just smiled at me and she said, just apply. I think you'll do well. And, you know, and she just encouraged me. And I did. I followed up and I went through the process and the rest is history. But, you know, um, and the big difference is it's a union show. Oh, that's I found out when I got in. Yeah, I was like, oh, and the light bulb went off. I was uh-huh. like, you know, and then it kept going off, you know, because there were moments in time when I would meet a steward or I would meet a, a chief and they would pull me aside and educate me on this is how we got here and this is the history. And that was when the beginning of my labor history. 
I see. Yeah. So I had some really great So how long mentors. have you been there? Because Verizon is now Frontier. It is. Yeah, there's a whole story there, too, and we might want to save that for another segment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So how long have you been there now? Uh, 17 years. Okay. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm one of the young bloods. I see, because people don't yeah. leave. People don't leave, and businesses have started, uh, have been doing a very long trend now of not hiring internally. That's a real problem, and that's maybe something we'll talk about today. But um, th- they have found it advantageous to uh, hire only part-time or gig workers or contractor workers so that they don't have to pay legacy benefits and they don't have to treat them the same. They can get out of the contract. Uh, You're saying the union contract. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't want to operate inside the rules of that contract. I see. Yeah. So, it, so it, you, Verizon but, is not doing that with new employees. Uh, yeah, well, it was started with Verizon because they had the same basic um, philosophy, philosophy and, and business plan, and it has been handed over to Frontier now, and so that, you know, they continue that trend. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate um, decision by, by upper management to go that route, but uh, we haven't hired internally for outside plant in uh, about 16, 17 years. Really? Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this segment, and then we're going to come back with uh, some great things that are happening with the union. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for coming. You got so many great things to talk about. of COVID-19. Like others with existing health issues, cancer patients are at a high risk due to their compromised condition. If you are newly diagnosed with cancer, your care likely can't wait. Moffitt Cancer Center is the best place for your cancer concerns and to provide guidance to help you plan your next steps. We're here for you. Call 1-888-456-2839 or go to moffitt.org slash here for you. Jason Smith, um, he's a director. He's in. A, he's on the executive board for the communications, uh, as a communications person, I should say. Yeah. Um, for our one of our local unions, IBEW stands for International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. But you're going to tell me a little bit about what, who you really represent, and who the employees are that you represent. Right. So there's a lot there, and um, basically. Uh, you know, I work for a communications company that was organized by IBW, and we're local 824. But there's uh, two other local IBWs here in Tampa okay. that people should know about. Um, and they're, um, IBW uh, 915 in particular is uh, the building trades local. 
And so if someone is interested in getting involved with building trades, um, you know, that's where their council meets. Uh, they, they specifically do electrical apprenticeship programs. And, uh, you know, it's just a great opportunity for any young person who wants to learn something that can't be taken away from them, can't be outsourced, and it's a really fantastic living. You, you can make a lot of money doing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's nice too, because so many jobs these days, they require you to have X amount of degrees, certifications. There's so many barriers. Um, and not everybody is going to be a college person. Exactly. Exactly. And they still need to make a living wage. Yeah. And provide for their families. Exactly. So if, if you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, and if you're not afraid of doing some work that can be physically demanding, you can make an, an incredible income. Uh, you know, with great thousand, seventy thousand. I mean, I know of, and it depends on what trade you get into, right? So, the need and the demand for folks who do like uh, specialty types of uh, plumbing or or specialty types of, you know. Um, Electrical work, um, uh, steel workers. I mean, it runs the gamut. There's a there's a large list of jobs you could be doing, but you could write your own paycheck. I mean, hundreds. You know, many of these people make a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand. Some of them two hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, that's real money. That's real money. That's life changing money. That is. It is. And uh, the wife doesn't even have to work if you're making that kind of money. We can go back to those days, right? That's and isn't right. that kind of what? Uh, so a lot of people perceive as the American dream. It, Absolutely. You know, buy so, a home. Yeah, home ownership. A couple of cars. Right. Private school. And, you know, we, we used to have that compact with employers in America where if you showed up and you worked and, and you, you know, played by the rules, then you were guaranteed employment pretty much. And those employers, no matter which employer you turned to, had pensions. They had you know, great benefits, great medical. That's all disappeared. That compact is, they it's tore not, up that contract yes, with the American yes. worker. It's now the fleecing of America, also known as the 401k. Yeah, I mean, to go away from a defined benefit pension plan and trade that in for a 401k and to think that that was a good deal. Yes. Yeah, no, you're you're mistaken. You, you, you don't yeah, know how bad. you do not have enough in their 401k to no. last their entire retirement. No, and you better retire at the right moment. Because if you retire at a moment when the market is way down, yes, you know, I mean, there's you so much. Lose it all, or yeah. half, or yeah. a quarter of it, yes, yeah. and we, not get it back. Yeah, the the way I, you know, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, the um, difference in in hiring procedures these days, the the new management um, uh, trend of not hiring internally, and the way I think of it is that you know. They want to speed date you. They don't want to marry you anymore yes. as an employee, yes. right? They just want to use you and, and lose you. Yes. And, and they don't want the responsibility. No employer these days wants to pay health care at all. They want it, they're doing everything they can to get it off their balance sheets. Uh, they don't want to provide benefits. They don't want to be responsible for those things. They don't want any social responsibility, you know, and... Uh, the laws have changed over the years. Uh, Supreme Court decisions have come along to say that, you know, publicly traded companies have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. 
And so that changed. It's always about the money. It's always about the money. But it, it's been getting worse over the years. Like there are penalties now for not pursuing the money if you're on a board of directors for a corporation. Wow. Yeah. Like it, they were forced. So any, even if you come in with altruistic like CEOs and CFOs and like a, a real group of hippies, you know, let's say for an extreme example, trying to run a company that is socially responsible or whatever, you know, but they found a way to make money doing it. They still are, they've got their back up against the wall because the laws are written in such a way that they are forced to do whatever the major shareholders want them to do. And the major shareholders want one thing. That's, that's they it. They want to make money. Yes. Now, you was some, there's something special that happened today at the Board of County Commission that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so today's an exciting day for labor in the Bay Area. Um, you know, the city of St. Pete had already passed years ago uh, the apprenticeship ordinance. And today at 10 a.m., I understand that the county commissioners passed it. And the, um, the, the, uh, in the city in, in Hillsborough County, that's right. And, uh, and the city, uh, like a month or two ago, passed it as well. So the Hillsborough, city of Tampa. Yeah. So exciting that they passed the ordinance. And basically what the ordinance says is that any project that is taxpayer funded that is greater than a million dollars, um, must have at least 12% of state registered apprentices working in them. So, you know, it's basically ensuring that local apprenticeship programs get included in those projects. And so... So we can train the next generation. Yes. And we have to. And there's such a shortage. Oh, my goodness. That's one of the reasons wages are so high in those industries is because there's so... Demand. Few, yes, demand. Yeah, that supply-demand thing, right? So uh, there's an enormous demand. So tell me exactly how these apprenticeships work. Are they union-based? Uh, n- not all of them, but I wouldn't, me personally, uh, I recommend that you seek out a union apprenticeship program because you're going to get higher standards. You're going to get higher uh, wages while you um, do your training while because you, you can earn while you learn. Yes. That's a big thing. And a lot of people need to do that. Yeah. I mean, college is good for those, you know, for a lot of people, but going into debt, you know, especially the amounts of debt that they're going into these days. Yes. Uh, it, it really is the, the, the colleges are getting away with stuff they shouldn't get away. You shouldn't be allowed to take a kid from high school, put them through college and saddle them with a hundred thousand dollars in debt. That's just not fair. It isn't. You know, plus interest. <laughs> um, and saddle parents too. Yeah. Some of the parents are taking out loans. Oh, oh yeah. I'm Sign, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it's, so yeah. So it's a lot of debt going around. I've got a bumper sticker from Emerson College, and where my daughter. Oh, that's went. expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I joke around with my friends that they can't take that sticker off my car because that sticker cost me sixty thousand dollars wow. just last year. Just one year. One year. One year. Oh my gosh. One year. Oh, what's she studying? Doctor? <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> no, it's more of uh, one of those, uh, you know. The, liberal arts schools that, you know, and I'm glad I, I am a proponent of a well-rounded education. We need diversity of thought. We need diversity of people in our economy who, um, can do music and, you know, art and all those things It absolutely makes a first world country, a first world country. But we also need a good blend of people who just do grunt work, who, who do dirty work. We need those people. Yeah. We if need them all. In, if you live in we a house, who's going to build the house? Yeah. And who's going to make, you know, that houses break down, right? I, That's own, right. I, I own a couple houses now and, and believe me, I know, you know, I'm into real estate as you know, a little bit. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
it takes a lot of time, energy, and money to keep them all up. It does. Yeah. I mean, roofs, plumbing, yeah. electrical. Somebody's got to do it. And this commercial real estate, too. They have all those needs as well. They do. Yeah. All right. So someone out there wants to be an apprentice. So how do they do that? So, um, you know, the building trades is, is your probably your, your doorway into the world to figure out um, it, it, which trade you want to do. Now, there are some high schools, I understand. The, the county, of, Hillsborough County, has been really good about creating programs where starting in high school, you can start to feel out and dabble and figure out um, and I'm forgetting the name of the program, but there is a program in Hillsborough County through the, the district school district where they will walk you through and, and help you um, navigate the options. So you can get a little taste. So if you went to your guidance counselor and said, well, you know, maybe I'm thinking about a trade. Yes. Can the guidance counselor? They should have the resources to point you in the right direction so that you could get like some information to take home and maybe even a program that you can plug into so that you can start to get just a little bit of hands-on experience after school to figure out, you know, is this something I want to pursue further? I see. And if you do, they have they should have all the information also to transfer uh, get, give you um, the opportunity to go sign up and start doing an actual apprenticeship program. And uh, you can go to local 915 uh, right off of 56th. Uh, they're, they're right next to the power net, uh, not too far from here, actually. And uh, they can, you can walk into their office, let them know what you're interested in, and they can kind of point you in the right direction because that's where the uh, building trades group, all the different trades come together for their monthly meeting. So they're kind of like a central hub. So I, I would point to them as a resource, but specifically they do electrical. But if you want to do plumbing, you want to do, you know, um, other trades, they can point you in the right direction. Oh, good. So you can start there. And uh, do you know who they would call? Uh, yeah. So um, if you wanted to just give a call, I would uh, call Jim Janeco over there. And he's actually with the crane operators, but uh, his number is 407-346-3525, and he'll point you in the right direction. All right. Say his number one more time. Uh, 407-346-3525. And I hope he doesn't mind. I didn't ask him. If <laughs> hey, <laughs> he, he sounds like a person that wants to help people he is. on the right road. He is road. wonderful. Yes. <laughs> now, you know, when I was in high school, this is going back a while, yeah. there was trades in high school. Right. Well, and I remember going to middle school, golf middle school, and I think an experience I had speaks to the larger issue of why they took all the saws out of the schools. Okay. Uh, I, we, I was in a class where a kid lost a finger. Oh, I see. Yeah. So liability has turned into a big issue for school districts. I see. Okay. Um, so, and, uh, it's not for everybody, right? Right. (laughs) So why lose your finger if you're going to be an attorney? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, um, and I th- I, I'm pretty sure that that's probably the major driver for not having a lot of classes but um, that have, you know, equipment in it that, that could hurt you. But there's lots of things that school districts could do to include, you know, like through home ec or whatever, where you could learn certain types of trades, especially like culinary trades and stuff like that, where you the likelihood yes. of getting hurt is very low. Right. You know, or lower. Um, so I, I don't know, understand why more of that. You know, isn't. I think even if they did something where they taught like you carpentry in a book version. There you go. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So there's, there's opportunities there that I think are getting missed um, that could be explored better. But um, at the end of the day, if, if you are interested and you're, and you're uh, and it doesn't matter what age you are, we're talking high school, but you could be a 40 year old man who just got out of prison. Okay, I was going to ask you about yeah. age restrictions, that if oh, there are any. As long as you are able-bodied okay. and of a sound mind and, and your, your, your heart is in it and you got a car. to do the right thing. And, and you a have, driver's and license. you have to have transportation. Yeah, you're going to have to get yourself back and forth or somebody's going to have to help you. But as long as you can show up with the intention of working, then you can have a good job. You know. All right. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about these these um, apprenticeships. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with unions overall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the unions are a big hot topic right now. <laughs> Everyone is a star. I know that's right. On your smooth soul and R&B station. On the World Wide Web. Access Access granted. In Touch Radio. Welcome to Calvin's Barbershop. You all got to see this. I don't even want to know what you're looking at on that phone. Well, you should. I was learning about the dangers of high blood pressure and that we need to get ours checked regularly. High blood pressure can increase the risk of heart attack or stroke. But this text program can help keep it at a healthy range. Just text Barbershop to 97779 to sign up. I'll get right on it. As soon as I'm done with this baby panda video. (laughs) Text Barbershop to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies, like Like the storm. When it kicked in, we had a plan. We were able to get in touch with each other in no time. how to find each other. The whole experience was the most frightening 10 hours of my life. If there's one piece of advice I'd offer other moms out there, it's to stay calm and keep to the plan. Some parents plan ahead. Some don't. Make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency. Start your plan at ready.gov. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, welcome back. We're so excited to have an actual union representative in the house today. That is Mr. Jason Smith. And uh, he's excited because the Board of County Commission uh, approved something. Let's go over that again. What did they say? At 10 a.m. this morning, they approved the apprenticeship program. And uh, it basically says that uh, any taxpayer-funded um, project over a million dollars will require at least 12% of that. The workers on that project be from apprenticeship programs. So, yeah. It, you know, how are you doing with minority participation in the uh, apprenticeships? Uh, it's always, uh, uh, it, you know, something that we are trying to get more minority groups to participate. And, uh, they have programs where they do reach out and to in in the community. Uh, they have um, scholarships and and um, you know so they're they're putting Why time, would energy, a and money. Need a scholarship does it cost money? Um, in some instance, in some rare instances, or it actually to pay for things like the books and transportation and stuff like that. So they're actually going even a step further and trying to you know 
compensate for some of those basic things that we sometimes take for granted. Okay. Um, yeah. People might have a, a yeah. challenge with transportation, yeah. especially in Hillsborough County. Yeah. So they're bending over backwards, actually, to try to get people, you know, who may be traditionally disenfranchised um, to have an opportunity. Um, because uh, we talked about the demand earlier. We need people to do these jobs. And we also, you know, just pulling back, you know, as a, as a person in society who wants to see society just be do all better. it can be and do yes. better, I want to see people in minority groups rise up and become part of the middle class and have that dream and become, you know, I want that for them. And this is a way to do it. This is one way. There's lots of, you know, there may be a couple other ways, but this is a primary, like... Now, you know, when I, f I find out in the community, the African-American community, they are clueless to that apprenticeships are available, yeah. how they would apply, right? what the requirements are. I, I don't think they know it all. Well, you know, that's, I guess, part of the reason I'm here now. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, trying to raise a wave a flag and, and raise awareness. Um, but I'm not the only one. And this has been going on for a really long time. And, and there's been advertising that's been done uh, in communities uh, that, you know, large amounts of money have been spent trying to, to reach out, uh, whether it be billboard campaigns or direct literature or through the school districts working in co cooperation with school districts to get into, you know, zip codes that. Well, I would suggest In Touch News. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I would suggest the Sentinel newspaper. Are you doing any ads in there? Um, so, you know, I, I don't rep represent like all of the building trades. I don't know all the different efforts that all of them are doing. Okay. We're, we're kind of, you know, we, we come together for one monthly meeting. Um, and I'm not even part of the building trades itself because of the nature of the work that I do. But I am under the umbrella of AFL-CIO. So um, there's no telling what all the different uh, unions are doing. Um, we're not a monolith. There's a lot of diversity in culture. There's a lot of diversity in how they're ran. Well, you see, the thing is, so. um, with COVID-19, a lot of people got displaced oh, yeah. from their jobs. So yeah. I'm thinking that there's a lot of people who would, who would go into an apprenticeship if they knew oh, sure. how to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first step is just get out of your comfort zone and, uh, you know, hopefully you have some access to the internet, a simple Google search for apprenticeship program, Tampa should bring you to some sites that would take you down a path that would at least get you on the phone with somebody who can say, Oh, you know what? You need to talk to so-and-so, you know? So, I mean, it, it requires a person to have the initiative to lean in and the curiosity and a little bit of skills in terms of, you know, navigating uh, social networks, um, you know, so. Yes, which they can do if yeah. they know it's out there. It's out there. Now, these this uh, ordinance that was passed this morning at the Board of County Commission, um, I understood there was a little pushback from Tallahassee. Well, you know, Tallahassee, the trend right now is just to preempt everything, right? And um, there are business interest in the state of Florida who used their power and influence and money to try to water down. Uh, well, their main goal was just to get rid of it, but they yes. were, they were not successful, thankfully. So, um, the, the effort, uh, basically it was passed, but it was watered down so bad that it didn't affect what we were doing here in Hillsborough, thankfully. So, um, the opposition to the apprenticeship ordinances, 
um, was, uh, you know, a valiant effort on their part. But at the end of the day, even the Republicans who were running things in Tallahassee saw that it wasn't something that... Um, that should be stopped. Yeah, exactly. And certainly um, more jobs, more jobs, more jobs. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. it's hard to go against that. Well, we're at a time in history right now where, you know, union uh, approval... In, in a, is at like another all-time high. Like we're back to where we were before, you know, the the seventies and eighties before oh, the, I'm before happy the Reagan to hear era. That. Yeah, and you know, the, the thanks to Democrats and especially Biden to talking every every other word out of his mouth is union this, union that, which I love. I you know, it's finally he was nice. at Ford. I think he was at Ford yesterday, yeah, right? He was. Yes, yeah, uh, he's, he's promoting organized labor, and you know, I'll be the first one to sit here and tell you that you know, in my mind, but this is just Jason talking or whatever. A union is the second best, um, you know, way that a a, 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 a worker can be involved in his workspace or her workspace. And the first way is through a co-op or employee ownership. Yes. Like Publix. Well, they have yes and no. Publix isn't as like as pure a a employee ownership. Yeah. Like the democracy element in there is, is, you know, they still have a hierarchy and the people at the top get more. Basically they share stock. Yeah. So it's, it's better than nothing. Okay. uh, But it's not optimal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there okay. are better designs to how you could structure that. But yes, in the spirit of that, yes. And I love Publix. Publix uh, works with my son who has autism, and uh, they do a great job. Um, so he works with them, and uh, they've been awesome. Okay. And, yeah, and their business model is uh, better than most. I guess the reason that Publix came yeah. to mind is because there have been some millionaires that have come out of there. Oh, sure. Early, Especially early on. Like, early on, it, yeah. yes. So the... The evolution of it, though, has brought us to a place in where that's less likely for the majority uh, of, to do that anymore. To, to do that, the same thing that yeah, to repeat what happened initially, um, which you know maybe that's just the evolution of it. That's just the way it had to go, or whatever. But well, unfortunately, like you said, that is how private um, organizations are evolving. Right. Um, it's yeah. less and less for the worker. Less and less sharing with yes. the people who are producing. Yes. Yeah. And so we need to get away from that because we're, we're getting into a time now where we've never seen the income gap so big between those who have and those who don't. Yes. You know, and CEO pay is outrageous. It really is. I mean, you know, it, you, you can't overstate that. Um, and that what that ultimately does is it, the stratosphere between the rich and the poor it creates a society where it's very difficult to operate as a democracy, a functioning democracy. Absolutely, And you're going to have people in the streets. Right. You go back to the days of oligarchies and a handful of the rich de- determining for everybody else the rules and how things are going to be ran. And that's really, to me, that's not the spirit of America. That's not what America is about. That's not, you know, what our founders had envisioned. Absolutely. And, you know, you when know. they go back to the 70s and the 80s, well, that's right. when unions were strong. Right. That's when people were making good wages on the right. job. Right. Until Reaganism happened. And right. then when Ronald Reagan decided he was going to make an example out of the air traffic controllers and he, desi- he decided he was going to uh, allow and, and step out of the way uh, when it came to manufacturing jobs going overseas. And in his speeches, I was listening to NPR the other day and they, they were um, – doing a Reagan speech, they were playing it. Yes. And he basically said, um, you just need to adjust to the new times. 
you know, he's telling coal workers and steel workers basically that they just need to realize that we're in a new era and that they need to be flexible and adjust and go learn a new skill. Like, like that happens, like, like that was realistic, right? Right. We we know that's not realistic. Um, Those towns were decimated, you know, in in Pennsylvania and throughout the Northeast, um, you watch towns just go dark and things shut down. The economies went flat and it was devastation. And you had a president who basically looked the other way. And it, and unfortunately, administrations ever since have pretty much, you know, until now done the same thing. And we got to bring unions back. I believe in unions. Uh, yeah, I, more people in America now than ever agree with you. They, they see the, the, there was a long spell there where we went when they were like, well, we don't need them. The, the companies are nice enough to us. You know, the powers that be are giving us what we need or whatever. But there, there's enough gap between. There's enough, and you know yeah. what? The young people really see it. They are getting such a raw deal. They are. If you look at what their parents and grandparents got in terms of pay and benefits and options on the job. Yes. Day and night. These kids are not getting the deal that their parents and especially their grandparents And this is why Medicare for all is such a big issue. It really is. Because they're like, I'm not getting it from my employer. Right, they're not. And what the they are doing from are their employer is too expensive. From healthcare. They are. They have been for a long time. Options are dwindling. It's getting more and more expensive every year. As someone who negotiates or was on a bargaining committee to negotiate health care with a, an employer, I can tell you that, um, you know, that is not something that the, the trajectory of where that's going is not a good place, even for those of us who bargain you know, and, and are able to usually insulate ourselves inside of a bubble with our contract from, yes. you know, because we're probably 10, 20 years behind where everybody else is, where they've already taken the concessions. They've already had all their benefits ripped away from them mm. and we're holding on, but we're losing slowly. Yes. You know, we're, we're not, you know. Because it, I help people with retirement. And mm-hmm. uh, I can see where they're paying more and more and mm-hmm. more out of their paychecks oh, for health care. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they don't even realize it. Yeah. Because it's coming out biweekly or right. weekly, but that chunk is getting bigger and bigger yeah. for health care. Well, if you're a free market person, right, and you believe in competition and all that, um, I don't know why you wouldn't include government as one of the options. Uh, Medicare for all would just open it up. It wouldn't tell uh, private employers or I'm sorry, private industry that they couldn't do it. They would just have to compete with it. Um, so I know that they don't welcome that kind of competition, but it's with inflation being what it is. And in that sector, the only way to cool down inflation in that sector is to create some options. And, you know, with as few options as we have in the medical world right now, I mean, you pretty much have, you know, your Blue Cross, your Aetna, and they yes. have regional monopolies and, and over pretty much everything. And, you know, they wouldn't describe it that well, way. Well, I think the employer would like to see some competition in that market. Yeah. Uh, the pharmaceutical companies right. and the big uh, health companies right. wouldn't. Right. I mean, right now they're just going buck wild crazy. They yeah. can charge you what they want. They can. And, you know, the monopolist is the price setter. So, you know, as long as you have the, the type of cooperation in the industry that they have, um, you know, it might not be a pure monopoly, but it's there's there's enough understanding between the handful of players that this is going to be the price that it just keeps. And plus the demand of the baby boomers. You can't, you know, there's a lot of people who are putting pressure on the system to draw benefits. 
And so yes, that's another that's, right. that's another kind you of have the baby boomers coming through. Right. And it's, some pressure will be taken off the system once the last group of them, you know, will have a little bit of a respite. Because uh, all right, we're going to have another yeah. break already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we need to talk about unions and politics. All right. All right. <laughs> that come together to create an unforgettable adventure. <laughs> so grab your loved ones and explore a world of possibilities. Visit discovertheforest.org to find the closest forest or park to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. My teacher said that we should have a plan in case of an emergency. Do we have one? First thing I'm going to do is grab a flashlight with dead batteries. I'm going to start randomly throwing clothes in the bag. You two will be hiding in the closet and Dad won't be able to find you. And that's when we both start crying. Uncontrollably. Can you pass the cutlets? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Search ReadyKids at NYC.gov or call 311. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're playing your favorite old school. Today's R&B. With a smooth touch of jazz. You're listening to In Touch Radio. Alrighty, we are back. This is Tampa Bay Politics. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, and I'm so happy to be with a union rep today, Mr. Jason Smith. Uh, unions are in the air. They're in the news. President Biden was there at Ford yesterday. Yeah, they're having a comeback, aren't they? They're having a comeback. That, electrical, that yeah. electric car is going to be a big deal. Yeah, I, I went with the family this weekend, actually, to go look at a Mach-E for the first time. And uh, it's a beautiful car. Is that the Ford? It is a Ford. It is a it's Ford. It's the Ford electrical vehicle, and it uh, it's an amazing-looking vehicle. Uh, I was hoping that it would be more like a SUV, the size or whatever, because right now I'm in a, a Chevy Traverse. And uh, I like my big luxury SUV, and uh, so I, I'm not going to be switching anytime soon. But, to a uh, truck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... But, um, yeah, and it's the way we have to go, right? It's the future. And uh, hopefully people are out there using their do dollars to vote. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we should be good consumers. If we're going to live in a consumer society, um, you know, look for labels that are union-made. Look for, you know, uh, employers that work with the workforce to democratize, democratize the workplace as much as possible. Nothing's perfect. You know, unions are like any organization. Um, we have, uh, you know, great leaders uh, sometimes, and sometimes we don't. Um, you know, it just. You know, explain to me uh, how you pay union dues and what yeah. the whole controversy is with that. Well, it really shouldn't be a controversy <laughs> because uh, there's a, there are professional organizations for everything that you can think of. Like whether it be all the businesses do it, 
all, you know, they're smart enough and they understand the return on investment and what they're getting. And, and they have their own troubles and turbulations and, you know, the, their own uh, criticisms of their organizations and associations that they belong to. But, you know, at the end of the day, cooperation trumps uh, pure competition against each other. So, um, you know, even those in the business world understand that. And whether you look in the, the folks who do all the builders who are the ones responsible for coming together, they have their own association. That's right. There's the Builders Association, the Realtors Association. Yes. The CEOs That's and CFOs, they have their associations. Okay. Yeah. And, and so why shouldn't No employees? executive will work without a contract. If okay. you look at the top of the food chain and all the corporations... No, oh, they of, take care of each other. None of those jokers are working without a contract, an employment contract, all of them. So why can't an employee have a contract? Now, when it comes to how are you going to make sure that your organization is functional, effective, has an impact, you can't do that without money, right? You, you have That's to invest. Right. You have to give of your time and some of your resources in order to ensure that there is a facility that um, professionals can go to, be trained, that, you know, there has to be lobbyists that go on your behalf That's to lawmakers. Right. Speak up for the employee. Yeah, who's doing that? Unions are the only organization, nonprofit in America who does that. You get rid of unions, there is no one speaking at that level. And we see where that's behalf. headed. Yeah. Uh, wages are going straight to the floor. Yeah. So it's, it's really an investment in, your, in myself. When I pay union dues, I'm investing in, my industry, in, in, my, in the professionals that work with me. I'm investing in myself. I'm, in, I'm investing in workers. I'm investing in, you know, the concept, the idea of democracy in the workplace. I'm investing in advocacy for the people that do what I do. Yes. So, you know, and I'm doing it against a corporation who has an army of lawyers and lobbyists and people who are doing... And one goal. And one goal. To make money. Yeah. Now, how did you feel about uh, that union initiative failing at Amazon? You know... And why? Yeah. So that that's an interesting question. I, I had had nothing to do with that word, organizing drive. I know that for IBEW... There are certain criteria that have to be met before you pull the trigger on an organizing drive. And uh, my understanding is that the, the union that had got in there and started that drive um, had different criteria, which, you know, the bar was set a little bit lower. Um, so it might have not been the greatest operationally from the union side. So I'll, I'll say that. But also you're talking about one of the richest uh, companies that exist in the history of the world. Right. If you don't think for one second that they had the best lawyer firms and anti-union firms, which is a whole niche market, by the way, there's a whole bunch of anti-union, anti-worker, how do I help my, the employer suppress wages, suppress democracy in the workplace, make sure this remains a hierarchy, make sure that this remi- remains a uh, you know, military-style, top-down, you know, closed-door, not-open-door organization. These people get paid big bucks to make sure the unions don't win. Okay. And well, we know they were in there. Oh, yeah. You know, there's charges against them right now. The, the Department of Labor 
is, you know, looking into some of their practices. And, you know, they do things that are technically illegal. There, there are a lot of things they do that should be illegal but are legal. And then there are a lot of things that they do that are technically illegal, but they're willing to cross that line because they know the penalty for doing it is so small compared right. to the cost of, you know, uh, having to negotiate with their workers. They're willing to eat it. So... You know. Now, are there any union shops in Tampa, in the Tampa Bay area, you say, hey, that's a good place to work for? Uh, Frontier Communications. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you're getting who, we also have the newest fiber optic network. So in terms of just like, you know, infrastructure, um, I, you know, and you're looking for a broadband company, please consider using, you know, because here's, here's what you not only do you have the best technology and the latest and greatest fiber optic technology, but you have, you know, workers who you know are getting a good wage, are being treated fairly, are have a seat at the table, who are working with their employer to make sure that everything is optimal for the employees as best as possible. Nothing's perfect, but, you know, um, other than that, um, you know... I really can't think of another employer locally off the top of my head right this second. All right. Well, that says a yeah. lot right yeah. there. But, yeah, I would start so, there. So Spectrum would be a no? Um, as far as, yeah, they're not union. We've tried to organize them over the years. We've, gave them, we've given them opportunities to join. And, uh, unfortunately, there are far too many of them uh, that, you know, have decided that they enjoy their top-down, I'll do what I'm told, I don't want a seat at the table agreement. Uh, they don't. They don't want... You know, they don't want to rock the apple cart, I guess. That's a, that's a good way to put it. There are a lot of people who are just kind of coasting, yes. right? And that's not the type of people I want in my union anyway, to be honest with you. And they're ignorant as, as far as, yeah. you know, what the union can do for them. Oh, my God. The doors that it opens it. for people is amazing. If, if you're willing to lean in and, and engage, because before I was Jason, the, the COPE director, or Jason, the president of the Tampa Bay Democratic Labor Caucus, you know, or Jason, uh, you know, on the executive board, I was Jason, the volunteer. Yes. Right. And I did that for years, like a decade before I had any titles. I invested in my, my workplace. I invested in my profession and I invested in the organization that watches out for the, the people who do the work that I do. Um, you have to do that. Now, before I let you go, though, I want to talk about this gig economy that's yeah. coming up. Is there any way a union can get in there? Uh, it looks like the Biden administration is taking strides towards, you know, with like the Uber workers. Um, you know, they're trying to classify them in a way. Yeah, we got Instacart. We got all I these know. things popping up. And and a lot of these workers, they actually do like the jobs they're doing. Um, of course, they don't know any different. Right. You know, and we're going back to that kind of... And there's no benefits, but just flexible. Right. I can, I can work when I want to work, and, you know, I can, I can put in as many hours as I want, and then I can turn it off, and then, I, you know, I have a hard time relating to that because my whole thing since age 19 was I've got a family to take care of. That's right. I've got to optimize what's coming in this household for the future, you know, so that I can pay $60,000 for my kid to go to college. Like I got to think about their future. I know, you know, with my son having autism, I've always had to think about, I got to leave him something, uh, yes. uh, you know, behind, uh, when, when I'm gone. about estate planning. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was on the phone with a, a lawyer earlier today cause I got to set up a trust for some of the, the property. So I, I'm always thinking way off into the future. And that's what a union member, a good union member is thinking into the future. We're not, you're not living day to day. Right. Yes. You're thinking about the future of our country. You're thinking about the future of your family. You're thinking about, you know, not 
even a year, five years, 10 years down the road, right? Um, and you're planning for that. You got, are you going to do some union organizing here in the Tampa Bay area? We hope to. We've got some things on the burner. I, I don't think I can announce. Oh, I, I got to keep that on my hat. We want to working hard for, you know, yeah. the people who are here. That, and they yeah. need wages. They need good wages. We're going to open the door and give some folks an opportunity. Whether they step through that door and do the things necessary, that's completely up to them. That's the way I look at organizing is that I'm going to present something to you that could be life-changing. Yes. And whether you take it or not is completely up to you. I have it. And I'm grateful as can be for having given, being given the opportunity. And I'm trying to share it with you. If you don't want it or you're not willing to put in the work after hours, because to get it right, to do it, you know, my, my grandmother's side of the family comes from Tennessee. It's the volunteer state. Okay. Right. You got to be willing to volunteer. It's a nonprofit organization at the end of the day. Okay. Not so everybody can union, have. Um, we rely on that. We need okay. volunteers. Yeah. In volunteers order to thrive. Volunteers on the job to help organize the employees. For organizing drives, for political stuff, for, you know, just general members, the, the chiefs and the stewards, they spend their own, on their own time, they advocate for the other workers and, and, protect the contract now when it comes to who you um support during Mm -hmm. elections Mm -hmm. do you take a vote uh there there's a a subcommittee that is organized inside of the union and they usually work with the central labor council as the which is the larger body in west central florida and there's once a month there's a meeting where all the unions come together that are under the umbrella of afl-cio and they they do interviews they um, share history of people who run for uh, political positions, and they come to conclusions uh, through the interview process who they want to endorse and who they want to support. You know, strategically, which you know, they do a lot of strategizing. So it's really not a Republican Democrat thing. It's just who you feel is going to be best for the union. That's right. Yeah. I mean, traditionally. It it's a, almost always ends up being Democrats because Democrats are willing to, to actually say, I support unions. Right. Right. And Republicans <laughs> are more yeah. leaning towards, right. I support employers. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, but also when you try to interview folks and you start asking them about labor history in America, Democrats will typically know more about like Martin Luther King and, you know, where he was and what he was doing with the sanitation workers when he was shot, you know, he, he would, the speech he gave the day before was one of the most pro union speeches in American history. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's roots there that the Republicans seem to not really, you know, they got Reagan roots. <laughs> yeah. They've got Reagan roots and we've got MLK roots. And so I think that's where you, the division, I think. Yeah. So every yeah. once in a while you got a Republican who says, Hey, it's about jobs. Yeah. Yeah, and we can work with some Republicans. Some Republicans understand that, you know, um, CEOs making too much money is a problem compared, you know, and they understand that Wall Street is not Main Street. Just because the stock market is doing well one day doesn't mean doesn't that average people. Guy. Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah. 50% of the population. You can't believe it, but it's the end of the show already. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that went by fast. That went by fast. But you know yeah. what? You got a lot of information in there. Yeah. Support unions yeah. wherever you can. Thank you, Jason, for coming. Thanks for inviting me. All I, right. I had fun. Thanks.
Hey, this is Agent Wright, better known as Mr. Clean. You looking for some great barbecues? Come see them two brothers in the grill. Located at 423 Virginia Street, Charleston, West Virginia. We got ribs, chicken, pulled pork, brisket, collard greens, mac and cheese, baby. Come get some. And get you a nice, smooth cigar. 304-550-4431. That is 304-550-4431. Come get some, baby. The rib man, mama, the rib man. Two, three, go.